Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of You Want to Split That, the podcast that has interesting people and fast food. My name is Bailey Engel. Welcome into what I think is an awesome episode today. Look, the Super Bowl just happened, and baseball is right around the corner, so I thought, why not get a major league guest? And that's exactly what I did today. She is both a sideline reporter as well as a play-by-play broadcaster for the Baltimore Orioles, the first female play-by-play broadcaster in the team's history. Before that, she was also part of the first all-female broadcast team in professional baseball history with the Salem Red Sox and also had stops elsewhere in minor league baseball and did some sideline for the Liberty Flames. Her name is Melanie Newman, and we got to try out a new thing back for a limited time at McDonald's, the Spicy Chicken McNuggets with the mighty McDonald's hot sauce. And look, I don't want to talk too much because I think it's just an awesome episode. And so here it is, my conversation with Melanie Newman over some McDonald's Spicy Chicken McNuggets. So Melanie, congrats. You're actually the first person I've eaten with on here that has a Wikipedia page. So I think that this will be a really good entry. I didn't even to know Adam. that. <laughs> really? I, in my research You're last breaking night, news was... on your Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I saw that last night and I was like, wow, this is a really trailblazing event. And you're, I know that you've already broken a few barriers and uh, that's the next one. So how do you feel about that? Um, I feel, you know, I feel like I finally made it. I mean, for, I don't know about you, but at least for us, like the Wikipedia is still kind of bigger than even having a blue check mark. So that's, I'm going to have to go look at that now after we finish this. <laughs> Do you usually eat McDonald's or is that, where's that rank on your fast food hierarchy? Uh, so yeah, I'm a Georgia girl through and through and uh, Chick-fil-A definitely probably takes the top spot for me. And then uh, after that it was Wendy's, but I will say now um, my boyfriend is He's a McDonald's junkie to the core. Um, so especially this last week when we were snowboarding up in West Virginia, um, you know, there wasn't anything around for miles. So the food on the way in and the food on the way out was McDonald's. And I love it. It's just, you know, it wasn't something that was um, my go-to, but you can't beat their fries. I, I have to give them that regardless. I don't know how these nuggets are yet, but their fries are like that American epitome of what a French fry should be. <laughs> Right. And I got to be honest, uh, I've had my food for a little bit and I've been snacking on them. So usually I take the first bite with everyone, but I have not tried the nuggets. I didn't yet, know the so. rules. So I thought okay. about snacking and I was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to. No, the fries are fine if you wanted to take that, but I want to actually try the nuggets <laughs> with you. Um, so if you want to go ahead and open that bag up, I am ready to go when you are. Did you get the sauce as well, by the way? So I got ranch um, because oh, I... Gotcha. I, I love spicy stuff. Like I love buffalo wings and buffalo wraps, but I can't, like I'm sweating on a mild. Um, <laughs> so I figured I needed to at least counteract a little bit. Right. But that sauce and, does sound good. I kind of want to go back and just get that to eat with, you know, normal chicken nuggets. Gotcha. Yeah. This isn't really a hot ones podcast. It's not supposed to be a triumph of the human <laughs> will. You're so, going to give me the one chip challenge. Right. Exactly. We're not going to do that today. Um, but I got my nuggets out. I have the sauce. I'm going to go sauceless on the first bite. So uh, cheers, Ooh. Melanie. Cheers. Uh, okay. The, the heat's coming in a little bit at the end. What do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah. That was my first thought is I thought, well, I like the breading. I like that. I, I picked these up probably half an hour ago and they're still crispy. 
which is always nice because that's like the worst is when you get into a nugget and you couldn't eat it right away and the bread right. just falls off and it's squishy. Um, yeah. So I do like, it's not too much heat actually. Now, now I feel like I, I should have grown a pair and gotten the other sauce. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that in mind though, I'm going to take uh, a bite of the sauce. Damn, that's actually kind of hot. I can handle spicy <laughs> okay, food, no, but I yeah, I'm, maybe uh, I should get the ranch out for myself. Um, I'll take a swig of Diet Coke after that one. That kind of sticks with you. Mm. But Melanie, how's the off-season been for you? Different. Very long. Um, I've been so used to most of my life working year-round, you know, whatever job it was, even if it wasn't broadcasting. So in the past, before I made it with the Orioles, um, you know, you'd finish the minor league season, go into college and high school football, uh, bartending, substitute teaching, just really anything I could to make sure that my bills stayed paid. And um, before 2020, for example, in 2019, I started working, I want to say it was February 12th, because I do all the work with the stats department as well for Major League Baseball. Um, got the job with the Salem Red Sox, so stayed working. And I didn't have more than 48 hours off consecutively from February 12th until January 5th of 2020. Um, so to go from that to having maybe three weeks of spring training and then a two month season, and that's it, uh, it, it just blew me away. Like I didn't know what to do. And at first it was nice because after just the initial craziness of getting the job and, you know, dealing with the media reaction and, and just trying to play catch up with so many people, um, to just catch my breath and, and be able to, to breathe and, and to actually see my family and friends who had kind of had to sit on the back burner while I dealt with all this, it was good. And then even uh, my boyfriend can tell you, like he'll, he'll see me pacing around the house or he'll be playing Xbox and I'm just, I'm already needing something else to do. Um, Cause you just, you get programmed to it and your body adjusts and I become better, you know, on five hours of sleep working eight days a week than I am a nine, a nine to five with more time to think than I can manage. But it's given us a lot of good time just to, to really have our own relationships. I've gotten to see my one-year-old niece grow up and, oh, wow. you know, start to walk and yeah, and, and learn words and try out different foods and stuff. We've gotten more time, like I said, on the mountains, just between skiing and snowboarding, um, a lot of reading, just stuff that I, I haven't had a life, you know, in, in maybe 15 <laughs> years. And it, it's really crazy that I didn't realize how out of perspective all of it was until that's all that I really had to focus on. It's funny how you just snuck in there that you didn't have a life. <laughs> that's just no, like, I had no life. No life. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, is there any like new, I mean, I know you said you've been reading, but is there anything you kind of learned about yourself now that, you know, you not, might not necessarily have to be on the super grind. Now you're working for a major league baseball team. <laughs> Well, it's definitely a little tougher. Um, I'm still, I was actually talking about it last night. I am a little apprehensive just to see a full major league season. I've done the minor league season. I mean, I've had years where I've finished and had 220, 250 games under my belt. Um, but after just having so much silence and then a 60 game season, trying to throw yourself back into what was now two years ago, um, it's a little daunting and I, and I know that I'm going to need to be gracious and expect to hit, we all hit those walls. It's, it's usually the first or second month of the season. You're like, Oh my gosh, I forgot <laughs> what this is like to get up and do this every day and find new storylines every day. And, 
just to continually push yourself to get better. But I also know too, that once I do fall back into that routine, I'm going to miss it a lot. Um, it's given me time to really work on my Spanish to get back to painting, which is something I hadn't done in a really long time. Uh, my Mario Kart game did not improve at all. That, that might've gotten worse actually, but, um, yeah, overall just, you know, really it's the connections with people because, I really do have such a good inner circle of friends and family who get the grind, who know that, you know, they, they might text me and I might text them back two or three weeks later, just having seen it, but been in the middle of something and, it, you know, it's in one ear and out the other. And so to give that back to them and actually truly listen to them and what they've had going on and, and their perspective, even on watching me go from what I had been doing to this role, um, that's been really cool. Quick update for you. I'm. I think you should be happy you didn't get the sauce. I like it, but I have. <laughs> I can smell now. I haven't been able to smell in like two. Well, no, it's not a COVID thing. I've just had a clogged nose. Like... No, I know. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't want to reveal anything. No, but I, I'm. I'm healthy in that aspect. Uh, my sinuses are wide open now after this hot sauce, and my friends are gonna roast me for that. They, maybe they should call it volcano sauce unless somebody else already has the dibs on that. Well, it says the uh, McDonald's branding, the mighty hot sauce. So uh, I, I mean, it's not to the point where I can't enjoy this meal, um, but it's still certainly, it's like, oh, I was not expecting that. You haven't all. burned off your taste buds yet. No, no, not at all. And I mean, luckily <laughs> a lot of people have had COVID and can't taste. I have not had it. I'm so excited that I'm able to actually <laughs> I- inhale all of this. Uh, a um, couple nuggets down here. Look, I know it's been a kind of a crazy shakeup with uh, things with the Orioles and, and Masson. Um, you know, I know you can't really get into that as deep, but I just wanted to just kind of clarify. So you are going to be doing games on both TV and radio moving up in, in this season? Yeah. So that was always the initial plan when I had met with them. I told them how much I, I grew up to love just being in the minor leagues and you have to do everything. Um, I really became to like that role of of having to do everything and kind of having my hands in different platforms and just constantly pushing myself. And I think that was something that they saw initially because I, I didn't know I was even in a job interview when I flew up to meet with them. I thought it was just, let's talk philosophy of baseball and broadcasting. And then it was really cool when it kind of surprised me. And it was just that age old, you know, you can plan for all these events in your life and they're always going to go a different way. Um but so they always had that intention of, of having me be a, a multi-role type person. So last year I did have a split between sidelines, pre and post game. And then of course, uh, radio play-by-play as well. We had a lot of digital stuff in the beginning before things got shut down. And um, we're looking to revamp some of the digital content and then looking forward at the actual season itself. It's roughly, you know, numbers aren't black and white, but um, roughly 90 games on radio, assuming we have a 162 game season. And then um, filling the rest of that in with a sideline role, because the difference in that, and I can't explain that, is um, Baltimore did opt to pick up and to maintain their sideline position, whereas the Nationals did not. Um, So the cuts weren't actually even made by the Orioles. It was Masson, because as you know, everybody's been hemorrhaging money after having a season where you really didn't have a lot of ads. And of course, there were no fans. And it was just, it was unfortunate, but it was like, when you're looking at trimming the fat on a steak, that's only 2% fat. Um, that was where it fell, but they, they really liked what I brought to the table on a sideline role and for my partner, Brett Hollander as well. Um, because the two of us usually bounce in and out of that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what we do with that this year. 
You know, I like asking broadcasters this because, as you know, I'm a broadcaster myself. Um, what is something that you kind of want to work on for your own craft moving into this uh, full season with the Orioles? What's something you want to get better at? Just being better overall. And I know that's such a vague statement to say, but something that was always kind of hammered home to me was you can get really overwhelmed and you can start to trip over yourself on air. If it's just, oh, I need to do this, 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 and this while I'm on air, it's just picking one thing and, and it might be a one thing for a series. It might be one thing for a game, especially if it's a super small item. Um, I know myself and, and a lot of my friends that I talk to, we all have that habit. It's not every day, but you'll catch that day every now and then where it's just one word, but you say that word every three minutes and you don't even notice. Yes. Um, so those are the, those are the little things that you can kind of eradicate in like a one game situation, but there's other pieces like the biggest one for me for so long and, and still going into the season um, is just simplifying plays because in simplifying them, you can be more accurate in the description of them as well. So instead of trying to draw everything out, which you can do with other sports, um, leaving it really quick is, you know, second baseman to first baseman and, you know, he rolls over, he's out instead of, oh, he picks it up and he turns to his left and he turns to his right. Cause you know, at that point, the action's already happened and now you're just constantly having to play catch up. Um, right. So that was, that was a really big thing just on a, a series by series basis to look at. And, and the difference actually too, for women, um, for me, it's constantly focusing on my voice, which sounds crazy, especially if someone's not a broadcaster to think, you know, when you talk, you just talk and that's it. But for, for us, it's a little bit differently because you get excited and where as a man gets excited, it does get a little louder, but you know, it can, it can tip more shrill for a female just because of our natural pitch and our cadence and yeah. um, playing, playing with all of those things in your head and you want to be lower and smoother, but you don't want to be so low that you sound like you're not interested when you really are interested. Um, it's a, it's a weird vortex that I'm still very much trying to figure out. Yeah. I, I bet that's tough. And I, I think that you kind of hit some on, on something I wanted to ask about just being a female broadcaster. And I, I think that it is kind of tough when you're trying to work through the, the pitches of your own natural voice. I feel like Beth Moens almost has to just like really flex and, and make herself even deeper than I believe she might actually be. Um, do you ever kind of get uncomfortable physically going there and calling a game, trying to get that low? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I've had days where I've gotten off air and that was really the first thing that kind of stuck out to me was I got off air at one point and um, I, I noticed that my voice hurt a lot. And so I, you know, I drank a lot of tea. I tried to do what I could. And it was actually Jeff Arnold, who's now my partner with Baltimore, but he, he's a trained singer. And I don't think he likes to let people know that very often. We love to give him grief about it, but he had voice lessons in the whole nine. So he was the one who kind of stopped me and said, I think your voice is hurting because you're going too high and it's stressing mm. out your vocal cords too much. So he was really the first person who put it in a tangible perspective that it, it's not going to be manly if I go lower, but you can find like that lower, smoother rhythm to push. Um, but then of course I started experimenting and, and trying to do that and remembering, you know, to speak through my diaphragm and not through my nose and people then start, oh, well, she sounds like she's asleep and she's not interested. I'm like, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what else I can do. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely feel because, you know, I see the comments all the time, especially with women like Beth Mowens and Jessica Mendoza. And um, I don't think people realize there's this whole crazy 
science that's still being figured out when it comes to women's voices and, and trying to understand that. And again, that's why I think too, it helps in simplifying plays because at that point, you're, you know, you're not tripping over your words and talking too fast and, and elevating your pitch too much. You can just still kind of stay in that relaxed um, mindset to be able to bring something forward to somebody. But I get grief for it all the time, especially from my friends and family. And they can even hear it if it's somebody different who answers the phone, who's not a friend or family member. And they're like, oh, your voice changes and you put your broadcaster voice on, but you, you don't notice it. You know, it's just right. a, it's a natural switch in your head. Um so it's a work in progress, but I, I'm definitely curious to see if there's, you know, stuff that comes forward, um, even in, in the science aspect or like tr treating it like a physical training process of, you know, this is specifically what you're doing. This is specifically what you should be doing. I, I think it would be a tremendous help. Now, a quick update on my nuggets. Where are you actually on yours? Well, I only ate one because you keep asking me questions. <laughs> oh, well, go ahead. How All dare right, you first, do your job? I know. I know. It's the whole point of the podcast. Um, you're not up close on your mic, uh, which is fine because nobody's going to hear you like belch um, if you do. I'll, I promise to edit it out if it happens. Um, I've learned how to like put push those back down <laughs> okay yeah I don't I know you don't have like a cough button like you're actually doing a, a baseball game here um my nose is running from that sauce I'm so I'm giving you updates again I am so surprised at how so, like, actually spicy pure. it is yes I know I'm gonna I'm gonna take this with me to games so I don't uh like, sound don't, over don't get a neti pot just get spicy nuggets and yes and sauce Give me all the mighty hot sauce you have. I have a double header today. <laughs> um, you know, moving moving forward, I kind of wanted to, before we kind of totally moved on from that whole scientific focus on women's voices, do you think it's actually kind of unfortunate that women in broadcasting have to sort of be very conscious of that and almost imitate someone with a deeper register? You know, it's funny because... Um... I actually had that conversation with a brand at one point because it was disappointing to see a clothing brand representing the sports market. And they thought it was appropriate to post on their public social media, just shredding Jessica Mendoza. And it was over nothing except her voice, which she can't, you can't really control it. I mean, you can to a degree, but your voice is your voice. Um, and I said, you know, and I, I took I took the time to message them, and I said, "You you preach about equality and and how you support women moving forward, and and you like seeing us in the industry." I was like, "But I have to tell you how I feel seeing that is that there's there's not a place for me because you're not going to like my voice just because it's a female voice." And they said, "Oh no, you know we say that about everybody." And I said, "But the difference here is when you point out a male broadcaster who you tend to not like, which." everybody's going to have an opinion. I get it because the, the rainbow side of my brain would like to be like, why don't we just say no bad things about anybody ever? That'd be great. But you know, human society. Um, so I said, when you talk about male broadcasters, you're very specific in what you don't like about them. It's either, you know, somebody constantly mispronounces names or somebody constantly misses plays, or, you know, he talks about himself on air. You have actual reasons to grasp onto as to why you don't per prefer their broadcasting style. And that's fine. Everybody has a style that they appreciate more than somebody else's. And um, I get it. 
but I, I said, you know, it's, it's just really something that you need to kind of take a step back and think about if you're going to come here and criticize someone. I mean, you wouldn't criticize someone because of their physical appearance. So why would right. you do it at just the sound of their voice? You know, unless you have something constructive to offer to it, it's, it's just fruitless. But I think that's, that's the other basis of that too, is unless you're going to come with a solution or an idea or something constructive, if you're not doing this job and you don't understand what it takes, and that's for every, that's doctors, athletes, I mean, teachers, everybody in between, we have no idea what it takes to do any of, the other, of these other roles. And yet it's the people not in the roles, most critical of those roles. Um, it's just time that people start taking a step back and, and really thinking about the way that they choose to approach things. And I was kind of hopeful that this last year of really you know, everybody being in the trenches together trying to get through this would start to drive some of that home. And I think some of it has, you can definitely argue that our country is seeing significant changes, but you know, there's some stuff that we're, we're still going to have to hammer in there. How are you able to kind of not only balance the idea of being a real role model to women in this industry, but also dealing with all of the negative noise you might see on social media. Also, by the way, please eat your food. I, I know, <laughs> I'm asking all these questions because I'm genuinely curious, but please just eat I your can, lunch. It's not going anywhere. I'm good. I uh, am working okay. on it. I promise. Um, no. So the, the thing is, is I was the most sensitive, fragile kid growing up. And, and I think too, Andrew would still argue, I'm still pretty sensitive, especially compared to him. But um, I, I couldn't take anything from anybody that was remotely negative. And I feel fortunate that I came up with teachers and coaches and, and people who knew how to be constructive when they approached things. So with the emergence of social media, which is still such a, a double-edged sword to me in my mind about how we choose to, to run our lives. Um, I remember going out to the Arizona Fall League for the first time in 2014 and at that time, I was employed by a minor league affiliate, and all six of the people from the organization who had been sent out there were from our affiliate. So it was this really cool opportunity for me to kind of extend some of my work into the offseason to kind of give fans an insight, because at that point, I had never heard of the Fall League. I have no problem admitting that. And so I wanted to kind of let people know back home, this is where some of your favorite players go when the season's done. And, and you know, they, they're still playing games and they're still training and, and get some really cool insight from them. Um, and some woman on Twitter, I don't even know, she, you know, it's never people who follow you. It's people and you're no. like, how did you even find me? And they, they um, always have like an anime picture as their- Yeah, they're like the egg. <laughs> right, the egg or like some Naruto thing. She she started tweeting just over and over again of you're you're an imposter and- I'm getting your credentials revoked and I'm reporting you to the bureau. And at first I was like, what bureau, like what bureau are we, <laughs> where are we going here? Also, I'm not, yeah, I, I have a credential to be here with the fall league, but like, I'm not, this is literally not a big deal. Like this is the most chill sports environment on the planet. I haven't done, like, I'm not lying about anything. My articles are literally on the team website. I just, and it, and it just hit me and I stewed on it for so long. And clearly it's seven years later and I still remember it. Um, but over the years, you just really start to, to learn, um, you know, if they're not paying your paycheck and if they're not a part of your inner circle and they're not someone who you ultimately aspire to be at some point, their opinion really isn't my business. Um, people aren't going to like me. I'm, I'm highly aware that a lot of people probably don't like me and some of them might have reasons. And 
I've actually point blank heard it before that someone didn't like me just because they didn't like me. And you know, that's, that's your space. What the hell do you do with that? (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about not being constructive. That's awful. I'm like, well, I don't really hang out with you anyway. So continue, (laughs) continue to not like me. That's, that's, that's on you at that point. You know, just between all that and uh, Steve Berthume with the Diamondbacks, because I, I was working for one of their affiliates at one point, he was really good. And, you know, he had a Twitter and he was like, Melanie, just don't respond. Like, even if they're not saying anything bad about you, but even if they argue about, you know, something that you might've tweeted from the team or anything like that, he's like, just don't respond because nothing good comes from it. You're just allowing them to drag you down to that level. And, and you can't come out a winner because even if you make your point and it's sound and you come out with clearly the win of the situation there, you know, they're going to be the little kid who just comes back and they go, well, no, uh," and you're like, okay, well now what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I took that to heart. And then honestly, I became friends with Jessica Kleinschmidt, who's with NBC Bay area, probably around the same time, 2014, 2015. And um, it's funny because on a side note to that, a lot of people ask like, well, how, how do you guys become friends? And almost 100% of the women who I'm friends with in this industry, it's, it's solely through social media. Jessica and I have gotten to hang out with each other once in person in our seven year friendship. But at the same time, she's probably one of the first people I'm calling if I ever absolutely needed something. Um, because we understand the relationship of our situation. We, we don't have the luxury of having you know local friends because they, they come to con- develop the typical societal structure, which is fine. But, you know, it's, I want to talk to you every week. I want to get lunch every other week. They expect to have that continued physical presence. And we're just not afforded that. Um, So the women in this industry have been huge just to build relationships together over social media. But it was Jessica in particular. And and you take one look at her social media and you know, she just, she doesn't care. Um, And you can sling anything at her. And she's like, you know what? Okay, I'm good. She's been through a lot of stuff. And there's a reason that she has as thick of a skin as she is, but we always joke. I said, you know, I met you and I had the spine of like an eclair donut and I've now moved up to like jellyfish status to where I, you know, I don't care as much. And I know that she has my back if something really truly does upset me, but um, she's just been so transformative of how I can continue and how I carry myself. And um, Susan Waldman with the Yankees too. She actually was my biggest aide this year specifically in dealing with all of the questions and the criticism because um, she, she'll tell you how it is. She does not, you know, it's her, it's her opinion and you can take it or leave it. But <clears throat> she called me at one point and she said, you know, I just think it's ridiculous on two different counts. And I thought, oh gosh, like what did I, did I do something like, uh, you know, and uh, she said, no, on one you know, they're all, they're all lauding and praising and, and hallelujah. And she was like, you know, it's, it's your first year. Nothing's happened yet. You know, you just got here. Like you, you've been doing the same job you've been doing your whole life, which is exactly how I felt like I identified is, you know, a lot of people say, well, how does it feel to be a woman? And I'm like, well, I've been this way my whole life. Like I haven't yeah. exactly, I, I didn't walk through the doors of college and be like, a woman is going to college. Wow. Right. This isn't news um, to me. Exactly. And my parents never made me feel like I was doing something that was different, which might've been the other thing. And I've told, I've told several people that it was you know, that ostrich with the head in the sand moment when I was like, Oh, like, this is weird that I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, got it. And you know, I I've right. processed it from there, but Susan said, you know, the second thing that's so ridiculous about it is the people who are coming and just criticizing you and hammering stuff home. And she said, it's your first year. 
when did any rookie show up in their job and just completely blow the doors off? There's nothing left to improve upon. They're 100% the professional, you know, you don't, you right. don't become Eric Nadell in a month. You, you don't become Susan Waldman in a month. And so it was just such a humbling and gratifying moment at the same time, just to hear her be like, to almost to say, you know, they're expecting too much of you yeah. in, in your first month. Um, and that was, that was something that's always stuck with me. And so she's someone now too, like, I just know at any point I can, I can ask for her opinion and I'm going to get it. <laughs> well, I think it's really cool that you kind of are, have a network of not only females in the industry, but females in uh, major league baseball. And I listen, I grew up a Yankees fan. Well, I didn't really grow up a Yankees fan. I listened to a lot of Yankees games. So I listened to Susan a lot and, and John, um, I think that a lot of national outlets have obviously made you revisit the day where you become the first female broadcaster, play-by-play broadcaster in Orioles history. Um, oh, yeah, so training. Yeah, so I'd like to think that when you make that debut, uh, no one's really asked you about this. What's the first thing that when you went home that you snacked on after that game? Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> I Oh my God. I don't remember. I feel like I went. So here's the thing. Um, with spring training every year, I work, I did work with the stats department and that's what ultimately paid for me to be there and and do coverage for whatever minor league team I was with because the minor league team couldn't afford to send me. Um, so I worked for stats and then I lived with one of my best friends, uh, Morgan Pappas, She used to work for the Rays. Her husband, George Pappas, is actually pretty high up in their player development now, but he was their director of PR and their translator. So they're a baseball family. They get it. Um, And and it worked out really nicely just because, A, I'm not having to pay rent, but B, George would move in with with the Rays to their facility, and they have two dogs. You know, they have a house to run. And so I I would kind of move in. We always joked. I was like the step-in husband for a little bit to like help keep the house clean. And like, you know, Morgan had someone to talk to and stuff and take care of the dogs. But, um, she was really my, my rock to get through all of that because I had allergies hit me the day oh, before no. that game. I, I mean, like a brick. Um, I was, so I will say this, if you've never had it, the Starbucks medicine ball tea. Yes, I am- have. It's amazing. Right. Like I, I swear by that more than any, I get the big one. Cause it's only like three bucks. Um, and I'll refill it with hot water. I've double fisted the giant ones before just trying to get through <laughs> a full broadcast. Um, but I, I had grabbed one of those and, and I was sitting there thinking, Oh, you know, I didn't eat breakfast, which is great. Um, but I thought I'll get to the park. I just wanted things to be settled and things to be quiet. And it turned into, you know, a press junket and MLB Network being there for their 30 clubs in 30 days. And it was Baltimore's day, of course. And um, so much chaos going around it. And thank God, because Jeff Arnold and I were in the Carolina League together. He was in Frederick and I was in Salem. And uh, our mutual buddy of ours, Mike Farron, had actually told him when I got the job, he said, hey, I know she's a last minute hire. It's going to be a lot of, you know, female rah-rah. But she's good. You know, she didn't get the job just because she, she's a good kid. She's, you know, doing her best. And so Jeff kind of took me under his wing that year in Salem. Um, he was the one who was actively working with me. We'd listen back to my tapes and, and he'd give me pointers and ideas. And so it was just a really cool situation to go from having someone who occasionally joined me in the booth when we played each other because he had an assistant. So when I'm sitting there for 
you know, four and a half hours a day by myself for the 40th right. straight day, um, to have Jeff come in and break it up for a couple innings and just give me a breather was cool. And then we got hired together in Baltimore. Um, and he was my partner for that debut at spring training. And I told him, I was like, man, my, my voice is not here. Like I'm, I'm struggling today. And I appreciated knowing that he knew me and he knew my broadcast style well enough to where I knew he wasn't going to run over me. We weren't going to have this whole day of trying to figure out what our chemistry would be or what our back and forth would be. Um, you know, it was just, we had it. And it was funny because fans would be like, you know, you two sound like you just, we hear new people and, and they're trying to figure each other out and you two have it in the back of my head. I'm like, well, yeah, cause he's been saving my butt for a, a year now. Yeah. Um, but I remember Pat Valeka hit a home run to left field and it was my inning. And I tried to elevate to let fans know, like, you know, the ball's going back and I could, you, you feel when that cough creeps up. Oh, I know. And so I squeaked out the call. I was like, it's over left field. It's a home run. And I hit the mute button and I just started hacking up along and Jeff is just <laughs> kind of sitting there looking. And so, you know, he takes over and he starts talking and uh, our producers called us after and, you know, Hey, how'd it go? How you feel? You were great. And then one of them finally said, he's like, you know, you didn't really sound like yourself. You were a little quiet. Like it just, is everything okay? Like, are you nervous? And I was like, no, I've been sucking on Ricola's <laughs> and, and drinking tea. And he's like, that's it. Like that makes sense. Um, so I, I feel like I want to say, this is the longest answer ever to a very simple question, but no, it's good. I feel like maybe I had another tea and I, I want <laughs> to say maybe Morgan and I had a celebratory dinner that night. I feel like we went and picked up tacos and had them at the house but that's um, the answer it, it was just it was a day that I was just I was like just get through it like just just please get through it and then of course by the time we were supposed to have our second game together was the day the season shut down so we never we had one spring training game and that was it <laughs> oh man yeah I bet that wasn't really um before we get into that actually I have to <laughs> I'm gonna go to my refrigerator I had this giant coke and or diet coke it's gone because it was so spicy, I've drank all of it. I'm going to get another Diet Coke. Excuse me. Thank you for bearing with me for that. Um, I'm filming no, this at, dude. at my home. You're like in, putting uh, yourself through pain. No, it's not even pain. It's just like I'm enjoying it. I don't know why I'm going back to the sauce so much. Uh, how's the McDonald's ranch, actually? It's really good. Um, definitely glad I made that decision. <laughs> it provides a little more of a balance to the whole situation. Right. Like I literally, I, I love Buffalo wraps, but I get the mild and I'm literally like wiping my forehead off. People are like, why are you doing that? I'm like, it tastes <laughs> good. Right. Mm. Yeah. And it's not like the nuggets themselves are that spicy. You can like kind of tell. It's definitely in the breading with the nuggets. Yeah. And it's like the similar breading of a regular McDonald's chicken McNugget where I kind of thought that, you know, like the windy spicy nuggets, they look a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. these are just kind of like a little bit more orange. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. definitely that sauce. I, I'm going to, I like it. That's the thing. I kind of like being challenged like that, but I definitely needed something else to drink. You like food that brings you pain. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, luckily have a good conversation over it. Um, we've, we've talked about moving into play by play, but I think that it, it is kind of, it, it's interesting to me that you were kind of able to make the jump from uh, kind of doing sideline reporting and field hosting with some minor league teams to, to doing play-by-play. -play. How were you able to do that? 
none of my path has been planned. Um, mm. I tell kids that I mentor all the time now that are looking at broadcasting and they're not dead set on one thing. Usually they know they want to be in sports and, you know, they're, they're kind of that you know, any capacity I can is what I'll take. And, and I think that's a good approach to have because that's how I've been able to survive is just in any capacity you put me in. If it, if it puts me there, that's fine. Um, so I tell them now to, to go towards internships and jobs with TV stations, just because, you know, you get at least a year, you know, it's, it's health benefits, you know, it's a constant paycheck. Um, and it's repetition every single day. And my misconception in college was that the only way to be in live broadcasting was to do live broadcasting. So like if you're a baseball play-by-play -play guy, you're, you're doing play-by-play -play in the minor leagues, which for the most part in that particular role is true. Um, I thought sideline reporting, you had to find minor league and small time sideline reporting to make your way up. And yes, that does work every now and then, but no one had told me at the time, Hey, like, X number of people are people who just get hired from doing TV work, you know, being in a studio every day. Um, I don't regret my path at all, though. I, I definitely think it, it made me who I am. It's gave, given me the insight and the difference that I bring forward. So um, after college, I applied to several jobs. I heard back from one that I actually hadn't applied to. It was a guy who said he saw my reel and was launching kind of similar to uh, the XFL relaunch and um, now I'm blinking on the name. I haven't been on that long. AAF. Yes. Is that what we yeah. were? It was similar to that. It was a, a startup alternative league and, and he had seen my work and just thought I had the ability to kind of come on and, and work for the league as a whole. So they were going to send me to different games each week. And this was my travel stipend. And, and so here I am thinking, you know, this is amazing. I'm, I'm just out of college and I have a chance to actively contribute to something. And, um, I got really close with the other people who had also been hired. And unfortunately I got a phone call one day from one of them. We're all, we all still keep up with each other, but he just said, um, you, you need to contact a lawyer. And the, the short story what? of this is that, yes, the short story <laughs> of this is that this person who allegedly was starting this league um, had a rap sheet a mile long from everything from domestic violence and abuse to operating under fraudulent false identities. Um, so none of it was real. And, and here oh, I am no. having spent, yeah, I spent the last six months with this other, and, and the thing that killed me is I was just out of college, but some of these other people were actual professionals. Some of them had left their jobs for this job. Oh, man. Um, and it was just a, it was an insane situation for a while, but it had taken up so much of my time that by the time the smoke cleared and I was okay. And everything got taken care of. I was 16 months out of college and I didn't have a single job to put on my resume in this industry. Um, I kept applying to things on different websites and saw one pop up for a team in Kilgore, Texas, which is straight out of Varsity Blues. Like it's the, the nice. one main street with the tumbleweed rolling through it. Yeah. Um, so it was unpaid, but at that point, what am I going to do? Packed up, drove across from Georgia to Texas and, um, about three months in realized it was not a healthy situation. Um, it, it was a little manipulative. I, I quit May, I think it, like the players had reported and they'd been there for a minute. So I, I called everybody who I could, I knew I was going to leave, but I, I called everyone and just said, I, I don't care if it's in a concession stand, just if I can finish the year at a baseball stadium, put me there. And a friend of mine, Justin Baker, we had, slung drinks together in Kennesaw years ago 
Um, he was the voice of the Mobile Bay Bears at the time. And this is June at this point, if not closer to July. And he called me back and he said, well, actually, we just got rid of our on-field host. And I think you'd be great if you want to come down, I'll talk to my boss and, and we'll see if we can make it work. So I slept on a girl's couch and um, ended up in Mobile, finished the season there. And I, I owe a lot for Baker um, because he was really, I had, I have great male mentors uh, and Bob Rathbun had kind of watched me go through all this, but you know, there's only so much someone can do, but Baker was really a guy who was boots on the ground fighting for me to exist. And I, I didn't really know a lot of this even until I had gotten the Baltimore job and, and he started sending me, you know, screenshots of texts and emails. And he's like, I never wanted to show you this stuff until I knew you made it. Um, but I started doing all of our on-field work. I was also working in sales. I did our social media, graphics, digital. We were the grounds crew. Um, we were very, very tiny front office. And so these were just things that were expected of you. And I didn't think twice. And, and I don't remember at what point it was, but in, in that half of that season, Baker was the one who said, you know, I want to bring you on air with me for a little bit. I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And I think too, for him, maybe some of it was the same I had in Salem. You know, you're alone for four or five hours a day for 142 days. Having anyone in the booth is a nice break. Um, but he brought me up and I had done play-by-play -play sporadically for our baseball and softball at Troy. Um, my main assignment as far as play-by-play -play was, was women's volleyball. So a lot of it was figuring stuff out and, and what to do and what not to do. And, and having Baker there was nice because again, just like Jeff, I wasn't trying to struggle to find chemistry because we already had it. Um, but I, we finished that year and I paid out of pocket to travel on the road because how it would happen is at home, I would work our sales all day, do our social media, coordinate national anthem, who our promotions team was that night, what promotions we were doing. Um, I was occasionally the mascot, but, uh, Oh no. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I was baby bear and the, you will lose 10 pounds in a day in those costumes. Um, See, I never had to do that, but as our mutual friend Hunter <laughs> Hornstein would tell you, I had to dress oh, up like Willy Wonka go. once. Yeah. I had to dress up like Willy Wonka at Moe's once. And <laughs> you know, I, I kind of want to stop you right there and, and ask you that, ask you this because you're talking about all these crazy things you had to do in minor league baseball. Is there ever a moment where you're setting up at Camden Yards or wherever you may be broadcasting a game, you put that headset on, you see a giant stadium, albeit with, you know, not as many fans because of COVID, but you ever put that headset on, you're like, man, I miss broadcasting games in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> I don't know if I can give it to Mobile specifically. <laughs> Um, it was a little bit of a toaster oven working there. Now that is, that is where I got to meet Hank Aaron. I mean, we had, we had some really cool moments there. We worked with Randy Johnson that whole season. Um, but I, I don't know specifically if that city, there were a lot of 2 a.m. calls to get to the field to pull tarp and then 6 a.m. to oh, take it no. back off. Oh, yes. Did they have you um, doing that in Salem too? So in Salem, not as much. Now, if I was on the field already getting content or talking to one of our guys for the game and they obviously ran out to pull tarp, I was always going to jump in because I, right. I've just never been in that mindset that I should be above that in the first place. Um, but it, yeah, I was going through all that. So I would do all of our on-field hosting for Mobile and that finished up in the seventh inning. You know, at that point, you've done what you can to engage your your crowd of 10 people. And um <laughs> I would go upstairs and so I'd get innings eight, nine in the post game with, with Baker. So I paid out of pocket to get the full games 
on the road. Um, and, you know, we just went from there. So when I got the offer to come back in 2015, um, he really fought for me to be a part of that. And I didn't know for the longest time that it was actually a pretty big discussion that I didn't need to be on air. Um, and, and what kind of dumbfounded me and what he even said was he would always push for a reason why I couldn't be on air. You know, were my sales falling? Was I not getting something else done? And, and it was just, well, she just, she just doesn't need to be there. Um, and I'll, I'll always be grateful that he stuck his neck out for me like that, because of course, then it went from that to him green lighting me to go to the fall league. And that's how I met my bosses who now do all of the MLB stat stuff. That's how I met people who are now my colleagues because everybody convened at the fall league at that point. Um, it just, it really set the wheel in motion for everything. I mean, he, he's changed more than he has any idea of, but that was the beginning of, accidentally more or less ending up in the play-by-play booth. I think it's awesome that you mentioned all of those people and all these people have helped you get to where you are right now with Baltimore. And I think it's also really cool that you don't have to worry about sleeping on people's couches. I I'm speaking for you. I'm assuming that you can get your own bed and your own couch at this point, working for Masson and working for the Baltimore Orioles. Melanie, you have been awesome. We have our final segment or final two segments on the show. This one is called roast them or toast them, which is roast something. If you don't like it, toast okay. is like holding <laughs> your champagne glass Cheers. to it. Okay. Yes. Okay. So Melanie Newman of the Baltimore Orioles. I know you said you're from Atlanta. Roast them or toast them the varsity. Oh, toast. Oh, toast. They put pimento cheese on things. Did you know that? (laughs) I've only been there once. Okay. So you actually like pimento though? Pimento cheese bacon burger. Yes. Ooh. Okay. And to that note, I will also say if you've never tried peanut butter on a burger, don't knock it till you try it. I did. So interestingly enough, I tried that in Atlanta at this place. Uh, you have to be like 21 to get into this. Yes. Okay. I, <laughs> I could have been way more descript at a sculpture in there, uh, but I promised the Orioles that this would be a PG show. Um, but yeah. So roast them or toast them. Now, I know you're in Baltimore, so maybe this will be sacrilege. Uh, red lobster. Oh. Uh. I have to roast, but a toast <laughs> to their cheesy biscuits because I I could roll myself down the hallway eating my weight in those. But otherwise, you got to get the real stuff. And my mom's from Boston, so I mean, like oh. we're it's real seafood all the way. Okay, that's what I meant as far as sacrilege. Like I know people in Baltimore <laughs> and, and Boston are like that's not real seafood. Um, but it's actually not. moving it. And <laughs> moving into real Maryland things, roast them or toast them. And every person I've ever met from Maryland is so passionate about this. Old Bay. Okay. Toast to Old Bay wings. And there's a place right. in Baltimore called the Chop Tank. And they do Old Bay wings. And they can also do them with a the honey drizzle. They are the best wings I've ever had in my life. I will, however, I might get fired for this. I am roasting crab chips because I've tried them and I don't like them. I've tried, but I I toast to Old Bay. I really, really like crab chips. I'm sorry to hear that. And I hope that this isn't the podcast. I wanted to like them. (laughs) I can't imagine like the highlight of, or something on Twitter. It's like Orioles broadcaster fired after getting on a small podcast and talking about how chips suck. Chased out of town for not liking crab (laughs) chips. Oh man, that, that's awesome, Melanie. Um, now the final segment. I really mean it this time. Uh, we come to <laughs> rating that meal. 
Uh, so we just had the McDonald's spicy McNuggets. Uh, I've had about 60 ounces of Diet Coke after trying the actual hot sauce. So on a scale of one to 10, Melanie, what'd you think? Um, I'm probably going to go with, and if we're putting like the whole meal together, yeah, probably an eight because I think the fries are a good balance to it. I I'm still very happy that I got ranch because I feel like the back heat, I think that first nugget I got didn't have as much breading as the rest of these. Cause like I have to swallow a lot because my mouth is watering from the heat, but um, I'm going to go with an eight. I like that they have a good crunch. That's my thing. Like I'm a, I'm a texture person and I, I needed to keep crunch, but again, their, their fries are, they're a classic 10. So you're, you're really hard pressed to put them with something that's going to just tank. I'll slightly lowball it at a seven because I want to give myself. I thought about a seven. Okay. I, I love fast food chicken so much. So I'm not just going to rate it on like, I like chicken more than I would a burger. Um, I think that this surprising spice and the sauce was actually pretty good. Now, I mean, somebody might listen to this and think, well, you drank so much Diet Coke after that. No, I think it was actually an interesting spin on it. Um, and the fries were good. Uh, I was very surprised that the Bluefield West Virginia McDonald's hooked me up very nicely. It was a great experience. So I'm going to add a point for that, actually. Um, so you know what? I'll give it a seven and a half. It was actually really good. Would get that again. Melanie, before you go, I got a ton of friends that are Orioles fans. Who on the Orioles are you excited about this year? A prospect oh, or some, man. somebody uh, people are sleeping on? I'm going to go. I'm curious to see how King Felix reacts with us. Um, it's really hard having such a weird year last year to, to try to figure out how somebody's going to trend, but I'm, I'm very curious to see what he can bring to the table with us. I know he's going to be great in the clubhouse. I, that's a given. Um, I loved what Ryan Mountcastle brought last year as a newbie. And I know that everybody's pushing for Adley. I still, I believe in Mike Elias when he says, you know, Adley still hasn't had a full year of double A or triple A minor league ball. And he really wants to see him go through that. So when you start looking at the younger guys, I, I definitely think Ryan Mountcastle is just someone that, you know, people are excited about, but they're kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah, you're good. Where's, where's, where's Adley. And it's like, no, like this kid is really good. Like he's going to be on the lineup with Adley on those days where, you know, we're staring at, at chasing down October and chasing down titles. Um, so I'm excited to see that the, the bullpen is trending in the right direction. I'm very, I have a lot of questions and like King Felix about our starting lineup, but um, our starting rotation, but I, I think it's going to be a very intriguing season to say the least. Well, pitchers and catchers report in what less than two weeks now. Uh, six days. Wow. We have well, our that... first full squad workout in 12. I'm not counting though. Well, that is awesome. Good luck with that. You're going down to Sarasota, correct? That is where the Orioles are? That is where they are, Ed Smith uh, Stadium. Awesome. Well, good luck this season, Melanie. Thank you so much. You have been awesome on this podcast. I was really happy to eat McNuggets with you. It was, You know what? I've never had more fun eating McNuggets with someone. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, thanks, <laughs> Melanie. Have a great day. Thanks.